pleasure to bring to the platform tonight, I believe, one of the, uh, the voices in this hour regarding revival, regarding moves of God, regarding not only past moves, but present and future moves of the Spirit of God. Dr. Robert Slairdon is a professor in our Canal Ministry Training Center. He teaches now years three and four. Come on, give God glory. We fly him up from Orlando every Thursday. He teaches and flies back to wherever his next destination takes him. But he has committed to be a part of our faculty uh, next year in teaching year number three. Come on now, somebody. We're really thrilled about that. Yeah, yeah. So I want you to help me welcome. Without any further ado, I want to give him as much time as he needs, but I want us to welcome Dr. Robert Slaird into this platform tonight, would you? Let him know you love him. Come on, North Georgia Revive. Appreciate you. Thank you. I think so. Hi, everybody. Um, and you may be seated tonight. Thank you so much. Uh, I could just sing with you all night long and hear testimonies and be happy. You know, when you get in a place like this, you don't always have to have the orative gift to, to preach, to sit and enjoy what God's doing and hearing the work of the Lord. And uh, so we're very, very excited to be a part of what's happening here with the revival and a part of the training school. And so we, we're happy. Open your Bibles, if you have them, to the book of Romans, where we read from this morning, the fifth chapter. And we have a little time here with you. I've got about four messages I want to preach tonight. So I have no idea how it's all going to work. So it's one of those nights we'll just see what happens and uh, to go. In Romans, the fifth chapter, we have a verse that, uh, I'm going to read verse 20, the last half of verse 20, where it says, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. To me, that's a revival verse. I know there's other applications you can use with that verse, but it is me you can include into the revival culture, the revival understanding. Where there is wrong, where there is sin, where there's trouble, where there's darkness, where the devil is a-working, Grace is also working. And it doesn't just work to save you or make you survive a situation. It does much more abound. Not just abound, but much more abound. So lean into the abounding side of grace for your life and keep leaning that way with the revival movement. I prepared my notes tonight, whether I finish them or not, is in this morning I talked about what the local church has to do to continue hosting the move of God. I want to talk to all the visitors that have come to enjoy the revival that is here because some come from different types of disposition, different churches, denominations, and maybe where some of you are from, they don't have this kind of atmosphere. And sometimes when you walk into it, it's a little strange, a little different. You feel odd because you are. First off, you're odd because you've come all the way to Dawsonville. This is not a place you get to by accident. You have to work to get here. I've been jokingly saying to the Lord for quite some time, why do you pick odd places to have revivals? Can't you put them in big cities? And he would like to, but big cities are always too distracted. And there's too many things people can do. And as long as church is one, then revival cannot come. 
Church has to be the only thing. God has to be the only thing that's important in your life, and revival can be born. I pastored for 20-some years in Southern California, built a church about 2,000. And if you can build a church of even 200 in California, that's called a miracle. If you can keep them, because there's so many things out there to do. They used to come to church on Sunday morning already dressed for the beach. They come in their swimsuits and they're all the stuff and the little thing on their nose for the sun. And they'd come to church and I'm thinking, what are you doing looking like that in my church? Then I go to the I'm just glad they came. They came to church on the way to the beach. So I got over all my Pentecostal traditions. And uh, I pastored for 27 years, had a Bible school. And uh, I was trying to get everybody in my church to make God number one. So I was preaching good and doing everything I can. We, we got him in the top 10. And then I'm working on the top five to make God number one. And I got over there to one, two, and three, and the Lord stopped me. He said, if you go beyond that, then you're manipulating and controlling. They have to set who is number one, number two, and number three. You're now done trying to get them to do that because I was doing everything, prophesying, promises, fear, every tactic I knew to get God to be number one in their life. Only you can do that, and only you can keep that that way. No matter what preacher, what you see during tonight or other times when you visit the revival, only you can keep God, number one, and make him that. When you make God number one, everything revolves around him and what he does. When we try to find you, you'll be in the things of the Lord. You won't be just, well, I'm doing this and I had to do that. When God's number one, you're in your church because God likes to build churches. Should say amen. Somebody said, Well, I don't like to go to church. Either you need your butt spanked, you rebellious thing, you. Well, I'm busy. The whole world's busy. I'm busy. You're a bit, we're all busy. But when you make God number one, busyness is no longer the controlling force in your life. It's not that force. People have all kinds of excuses, and it's like, I don't like to go to church. Well, why not? That's what Jesus is building. How can you love Jesus and not do and like what he's doing? He's building people. He's building local churches. And this church is going to have a new thrust in the world of church planning and church uh, empowerment through the revival and through what's happening here. There is an apostolic grace on this house. Your pastors walk in that anointing. Now, we just now started learning about what they are, but there's still not a lot of folks that know. An apostolic gift is one of the five offices of ministry, Ephesians 4.11. He gave some, and one of the some is Todd. All right? He gave some, oh, I don't embarrass you sitting there, but I'm gonna preach over your head, okay? So he's not here. The apostolic ministry said, I give some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be teachers, evangelists, and pastors. Not everybody's gonna be that. Everybody needs an understanding of those things and know how to cooperate, relate, and flow in that 
when it's manifesting. But not everybody's going to be that. A lot of the young people in our, in our revival movements have been offered things by preachers that God didn't offer them. God didn't offer as many prophetic office people as we think. Now, we can all flow in the gifts of prophecy, tongues and interpretation. We can flow in the gifts, but not all these people are actually in the office of prophet or apostle or whatever. So what is an apostle? An apostle, the word apostle is more like a founding, directing type of office. Apostles are not always pleasant spoken. They're not pastors per se. We call them pastors because that's a nice, comfortable name that we've been using for 500 years since the restoration back in the Reformation. So we like pastors and we like evangelists. But we have a problem with apostles. Now, some of the churches you come from will say, well, there are no more. That's called a dumb church. <laughs> say, why'd you say that? So you'll know it's true. Nice, but ignorant. I, I've been in whole denominations. We don't believe in that. Thought the whole bunch of you are stupid. The Bible says they exist, and you say they don't. Well, I'm not going with you. I'm going with him. So there's, <clears throat> there's different kinds of apostles. The first group of apostles is the apostles of the Lamb. That's like Matthew, Peter, John. The ones that walked with Christ on the earth, that he picked. They are a unique and special group of apostles. But when St. John died, the last of that apostle group died, the office of apostleship did not end. It had others lead the book of Acts. Paul was an apostle, but he was not a part of the original 12. So there's the apostles of the Lamb. The next, the way I break it down, there are next world apostles. Those that have been sent and given an authority in the earth for the ministry that God gave them. They have a world authority. In my life, Lester Summerall would be one that was a world apostle, if you know who he is. How many know Brother Summerall? I miss Brother Summerall. Great man. I was with him in the last years of his life. The last part of the apostles' ministry he had was fathering young men. He had over 3,000 ministries that he was covering at one time in his life. So he didn't have all the time to have small talk. When you ask a question, direct, sharp, and non, no emotionally comforting, there's wham. Now, some people couldn't take that, but I kind of liked it. So I guess that's why I got along with him so well. But I was with him in many nations of the world, and he had the same authority that he had here in all the world. He had a, a world apostleship on his life. The, the third kind of apostles are national apostles. Those sent to a nation. You can see that in some names you may or may not know, but Ray McCauley of South Africa. Great guy that God raised up out of Raymond Bible Training Center and built the great Raymond Church in South Africa, and he's an apostle to that nation. Now, most people call themselves apostles and do not ever do anything that apostles do. So if my brain is correct in the way it thinks, then if you don't do it, you are not it. 
this, a deep revelation most people miss. It's so simple, people miss it sometimes. Those sent to a nation. Now, the one apostle I got close to in my life was in Sweden. I don't know why God didn't pick one here in the States, but he was called to Sweden. When I met him, he was in the challenging of the nation. They thought he was an undercurrent politician. They thought he might run to become the prime minister of Sweden. So when I got off the airplane and walked out of the airport, the press hit me, the Swedish press. It is off going to be a running for prime minister. I said, I don't know. You go ask him. He won't talk to us. I said, that's smart too. So leave me alone. Go away. Learn to leave the press and walk off of them. Most of them are liars. And you can't trust them. Can't trust them at all. The bigger the name, the bigger the liar. Just write that down and remember it. So um, you invited me. <clears throat> so I walked into Ulf's office the next morning. I said, Ulf, we were having a cup of tea. I said, are you going to run for the prime minister's seat of Sweden? He just began to ha, 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 and laugh like Santa Claus. More authoritatively, though, but that loud. He laughed so much, I started laughing and didn't know why. He said, I'm already in office. Why would I leave this one to go join that one? He was set in by God to become a voice and a force in that nation. And apostles are confronters, atmosphere breakers and builders, correctors and admonishers. Apostles are normally rude. He said, why would you say that? Because that's all the ones I've ever met. And if you read the, ever read the New Testament, Paul was nice, but he also had a little streak in him. I wish there had been a video of when Peter and Paul went at each other. That would have been a great video. I resisted him to his face because he was to blame. What? This is Peter. He's the one the church is built upon. And he's to blame. You're the guy who used to kill us. And now you're coming in telling me I'm wrong? Yes. Got to love that apostolic ability. Pastors wouldn't do it that way. They would him and haw for two weeks. takes a while because pastors and apostles are different. If you go to a, a church pastored by a pastor, they are very nice and merciful, very kind and forgiving and long-suffering. Yeah, that's why you like them. They just have mercy that just oozes out of them. When they go to prayer for the church, they go to God and they talk like this, God, People in my church are sick, or people in my church, their kids are crazy. We need help with the families. And they're always approaching God on behalf of helping the people. Apostles are a little different. They live by a divine mandate that God gives them. Like God will tell an apostle, I want you to build 30 churches in the next eight months. And that's all an apostle needs to hear. And he just, or she does, get up and just, Start. So an apostle wants to know what you're doing, not the name of your dog, where you live, what your favorite restaurant is, where'd you get your hair cut. They don't, they don't, they don't care. 
Well, that's not very nice. No, that's not an apostle. An apostle is, we gotta get a job done. God gave us a mandate, this has to be done by this time, so either help me or get out of my face. Now, if you're expecting these apostolic folks that have churches to act like a pastor, and then you get around them, you're gonna be hurt and offended. Well, I have never been talked like that before by a pastor, and you're still not. You're being talked and around the vocabulary of an apostolic gift. Then there are apostles to regions or territories. And that's how I would break them down. That's how I see them all over the world. The apostolic ministry is a warfare ministry. It likes a good old fight. Now, I only got one yay from the guy next to the archbishop here. I'm talking like this tonight to begin to get you ready for what's going to increase. Because it's not just gonna be the pastoral graces that increase from that prophetic word this morning. There is an increase of the apostolic. The apostles' ministry, when you walk in it, Persecution makes your anointing get thicker. So the more you persecute an apostle, the more he loves it. Amen? He, he loves it. I was in Norway with Ulf and his wife doing a seminar. I used to go there every year and do a week-long meeting and do their camp meeting. So he said, let's go over to Norway and hold another week. I said, sure, because I love to be around him. So I was in his room, we were having lunch together in his hotel room, his wife, myself, and him. And uh, he took a phone call, and I could tell by the tone of his voice, even though I didn't speak Swedish, that something was up and it wasn't really good. And I noticed his wife tuned in. She said nothing to me, and I just sat there like, hmm. He hung up the phone and just began to laugh. Ha, 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 So long and so powerfully, we all three were roaring in laughter and my brain kept going, what are you laughing about? I said, I don't know, but it feels good, so shut up. Learn to talk to yourself or your head will talk you out of every blessing. Because sometimes it don't make sense to the head. But we're not head creatures, we're spirit creatures. And we control our minds. When we finally quit laughing for about 10 minutes or so, he said, they just bombed my church. And I said, excuse me? Bomb like, poo. He goes, yeah. He goes, this is the birth pains of revival. I'm like, no, it's called bombing a church. <laughs> this was back before terrorism was a big deal in the world. And I remember he said, I want to fly home early because I don't want to miss that Sunday service because it's going to be a glorious one. And brother, it was a glorious one. Apostles do not get bothered by a lot of persecution. They kind of enjoy it. They are also rude, not meaning to, but if you don't know how they're motivated and how they are put together, you will say they're rude. That's why I use that term because some of you are already thinking that. Well, mm, I just won't be a part of something like that. Well, then 
you're in the wrong place. Because that's what's coming. It's already here, but it's going to get enhanced. Brother Roberts, no. No Brother Roberts. The way it is. Go to Nehemiah for a moment of scripture. You enjoying my talk here for a minute? Apostleship. Love it, love it, love it. Nehemiah is one of the great stories of a type and a shadow of the apostolic. Chapter 4. While you're turning to chapter 4, let me just make this comment. Women can be apostles too. So just, you know. We got one happy saint over there. Two or three. I just just what you're finding that scripture. Just, just know everything a man can do, a woman can do if God tells them to do it. And if you don't like women preachers and apostles and prophets and all that, I have a word for you. Die. Go on to heaven because they're multiplying. They're, they're, they're not going to go away. They're going to get louder and there's going to be more of them. Some of you are married to them. Some of you gave birth to some of them. So just enjoy it. The whole, when the church does not let women obey, you're hopping on one foot. Now, you can still move, but it's difficult to take a run. But if you put the women folk in there and the men folk, you can take off and run. So we need to have that as a part of what God is doing here. So if you are some of you southern men and southern Christian men who thinks you're all that in a bag of chips, you're not. Women can do the same thing too. We are what we are because Christ called us, equipped us, placed us, and told us what to do. And God can speak to a woman. One of the greatest women in American history was a single woman. I said when she married three times, she was divorced. I don't advise that. Amy Sybil McPherson. She's greater than Catherine Kuhlman. Catherine Kuhlman had a great healing ministry, and, and I love her, as you know. If you really want to be honest about who did the greater works, it would be Sister McPherson. She survived being a woman preacher in the early 1900s. She survived the death of her husband and the divorce of the next two. Had two kids and became the top preacher in America, built a church of 25,000 and became the spiritual governor of L.A. and built a denomination because the AGs wouldn't take her kids in. I should tell you that. She had this Bible school in California. All these students would come there by the hundreds. And so they were leaving the Bible school, graduating, and building churches all over California and America. And she went to the district of the Assemblies of God out on the West Coast and said, you know, I've got all these students. I just want to put them into the Assemblies because we all pretty much believe the same thing. And you guys, just, just take them and run. And those dumb butts would not accept her because she was divorced. Now, listen to this, Assemblies of God people. If you kill your wife and do time, you can preach again. If you divorce, you can never preach again. There's something wrong with that picture. It's not my sermon, but it's a good place to say amen. And so she didn't want to build a denomination. That wasn't her, 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 what she wanted to do. She wanted to just help the assemblies because of the 
that little nuts out there, but now we don't like it. Some people are so blind. They can't see fruit that's in front of their face. And you know people by their fruit, not your preference or your opinion about them. So she built the four square denomination, the third largest Pentecostal denomination in the world. A woman, ah, that was an apostle that built a great, a great work. And she was a governor of a city. What does it mean to govern a city? You do start doing what the principality was doing in evil, but you do it in righteousness and become an openness for the move of God, the will of God, and you raise the water level in the territory and you move truth in and you destroy all the wrong junk that's out there causing trouble in your territory. But when you do that, a war starts. I don't like warfare. Go on to heaven. Just leave earth and enjoy heaven. Because I don't want to hear your complaining. I'm left behind because you stepped out of the flow. They don't like me. No, you don't like them. That's why you're not where you are, where you're supposed to be. Apostolic gifts, they blast an open territory. They build and establish. They guide and govern. And then in the end, they father and sin. That's the simplest way to put it. Sister McPherson had all of it. A woman, a woman. At the end of the day, she did more than probably any other woman in Pentecostal history. And since her death, there's not been a governor of L.A. after 1944 when she died. There's big churches out there but none of them actually govern the territory. An apostle is a governing voice. And I remember when, go back to the Ulf story. He said to me, I said, your church got bombed. They blew out the, the front doors of his church trying to get rid of him because the press hated him. Called him an occult, called him all kinds of names. There's certain things you remember when people start calling you these kind of names, those are medals that you wear, not things you should be ashamed of. When they call you in the cult, put it on your lapel and polish it. When they call you, you know, all the, you're a false prophet, that's always a great one. Put that over here and polish it there. And wear all your medals and say, hallelujah, I'm still here. I said, oh, what do you mean? These are birth pains of revival. You know, that's what it is. They want to intimidate me. They want to scare my people, but we're not. We're gonna take it and convert it into a positive force and we're gonna advance on the back of that explosion. And that's what they did. That ministry built over a thousand full gospel churches when Russia opened. See, how can something like that work? That apostolic ministry has the ability to multiply faster than any other, other five-fold gifts if they know how to work it. In Nehemiah, verse, chapter 6, verse 12, it says, And we built the wall, and they that bear the burdens were those that laid. Everyone with one hand did work, and with the other hand held a weapon. Now, that's an apostolic description there. 
building and fighting. Apostolic people, apostolic churches build with one hand and fight with the other. Everybody gets to do that part. If you're a part of this great church, part of what's happening, affiliated with it in some manner, that type of thing is going to start growing through this whole movement. And there's going to be building and fighting. Now, either you fight the devil and keep the fight focused, or you'll come and try to split, divide, and do other things. So you need to stay in the focus of what you're to do and know when it's time to fight, use all your weapons and fight to win. You don't fight to survive. You don't fight just to casually make it till the rapture occurs. You fight to win. You war to win. Paul told Timothy, he said, uh, be a, an athlete, be a soldier, and be a farmer. Three things he said that we all should have in us. He said, be a soldier. A soldier likes to invade likes to conquer, likes to secure territory and take uncomfortable places. Be a soldier. Endure hardness as a good soldier. What, what does that mean? That you like it. And that don't come from your head, it comes from your spirit. It don't come out of your head, it comes out of your spirit. Like, oh, this is great. Being a farmer and being an athlete an athlete, we have some of them in, in the Olympics now in China. These guys run to win. They don't say, well, it's not if you win or lose, it's how you play the game. Slap them. Because they just lied to you. We want to obey the rules, but we're running to win. See, that thing in us to win Religion has tried to crucify and make you think it's evil, it's wrong, don't have it. God gave it to you. The winning desire came from Jehovah. It didn't come from you, it didn't come from the devil, it came from God. So win. You think I'm running my race just for my health? I'm running because I want my crown. I want my reward. I want to hear when I'm done, you did good, Roberts. That's where I'm running. I'm not competing with others. I'm running against the mandate of my life. And you are not in my mandate. What you're called to do, I can be inspired by. I can be challenged by. I can be blessed by but I don't compete with you. We are competing in this way. Did we do what God said and finish it in our day? Did we win our race? I am running to win. I'm not running just to be photographed. I'm running to win. That has to be inside of you. Run to win. And don't let religion and these little weak, wimpy people go. <laughs> Learn to be a little Holy Ghost rude sometime and tell them, go away. Or I bind you. 
I don't accept what you say. Or just shake your head. No. React some way. A farmer, I have cousins that are farmers. Some of you are farmers. I, I'm a city guy. And I'm glad to be in city life. I don't like feeding chickens. I don't like corralling cows. The only cow I like is one that's on my plate. Well done. That's what I like. But my cousins, they have all kinds of animals and plants and things they take care of. And I go out there and one of my cousins raised about 200,000 chickens at a time. Have you ever smelt 200,000 chickens at one time? You'll have an experience you will not forget for the rest of your life. And my cousin's done it so long he can't smell it anymore. I thought you need deliverance. <laughs> but my cousin, when I sit down to have breakfast, they've already been up for two or three hours in the fields working. I'm just getting to breakfast and they're coming in after working for two or three hours. And you sit and you talk to them and how do you make any money on chickens or on corn or whatever you're growing? And they can tell me to the penny how much they're gonna make per pound or whatever it is. I mean, they just make it out like, and that's what motivates them. They get up every day knowing harvest is coming. The breakthrough is coming. They get up and they work. They get up and they go. They get up and that's their motivation. No one applauds them. No one tries to take their job. I've never heard of anybody trying to take a farmer's job. But they get up and they're motivated. And we in Christian have to keep working for the harvest. The harvest of souls, the harvest of revival, the harvest of our money, all kinds of harvest. And you cannot be demotivated because it takes time for the harvest to come. It is seed time and harvest. You plant a seed, wait some time and get a harvest. And that works with money, that works with souls, that works with changing territory. And you have to have a building type of spirit in you and a fight spirit. That's apostolic. So why do you have to be that way? Because God sends apostolic gifts into tough territories to change it. That's part of the job. They're like God told the Ezekiel, I've made your face so you can go through all the crap you've got to go through with these people. He gave him a disposition of spirit and emotion to where all the stuff Ezekiel had to go through, it did not penetrate him that often. He stayed in it. In America right now, we have a land full of projected leaders, but very few real ones. That is why the quality of the gospel message is so shallow right now. Biblical literacy among the church is also at an all-time low. These are problems that leaders should fix. You say, but we gotta make sure people wanna come. If God shows up, they'll all come. They'll come. We spend more time accommodating humans than we do God. We know how to make your bells ring, but not heaven's joy ring over us. That is why you're so blessed, because you know how to do that. And it's gonna get better and better and better. Are you enjoying this or should I quit? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen.
apostolic gifts, prophetic gifts are needful in this hour. America is full of people who can write about them, teach about them, but very few actually do the work of the apostle because we've had prophetic people who can see well what's going on and see in to understand how things operate and assume because they can see, thus they are one. And they are not. Just because you see well and articulate well does not mean God puts you in that office. If you're in that office, you will have fruit that we can see that will declare what you are and there will be no need to even have the name apostle around you. It is B. Good preaching, Brother Roberts. Amen. Apostleship is going to be enhanced in this church. It's very important that we begin to learn about it and learn as the temperature changes how to change with it. A lot of you are used to pastors, but when you get around apostles, they are different. We call them pastors, but they don't act like a pastor. Like they loved my church in California for six months. After six months, they got tired of it. Why? Because I never learned their dog's name. I even forgot their kid's name too. Not that I meant to, but I wasn't thinking names. I'm thinking position and function. Now, if you, I could tell you what you did. I get where you should be. And they, well, I don't like, I mean, I love the music at your church. I really like the music. The music is really nice. Mm, I started to try to kiss music. Like, this is not my first rodeo. So keep your lips and all your mm to yourself. But they come up. We, 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 we love your children's ministry. Mm, the Lord's really precious there. And I'll get to the point. But we don't really get much in the service with you. Now, that really could hurt a pastor or a minister's heart. In the beginning it did, and I learned what it was. They were politely trying to find a political way to leave my church and still get the blessing of my church. The only way you can get the blessing is be in the church. And they just keep trying to talk. I said, let me just tell you what you're trying to tell me. You wanted to still be a part of our house, but only at special events and Nice little camp meetings, and you come over and vibrate and sing and jump around. Then you go back to your dead, dumb church and call it normal. Because over there, they'll tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Over there, they'll tell you your son that God didn't put you in the office of, and you live in a fantasy in a false world. Order has to be back in the church so that the power can truly operate and flow. The adjustments that are coming because of the apostolic gifts in this country is going to be beautiful. But there's going to be a reaction. A lot of folks are going to get mad. They're going to say, you're, you're trying to take my ministry away from me. You don't have one. Your ministry is in this church. Your ministry is to find your place and function happily as long as God says. Say, well, mm, well, mm, back to you. Those kind of things 
are important to learn. Now, I've just done a small introduction. But I have one more thing I'm gonna give, and I got about five minutes. And this goes with a little bit from this morning with things doubling and being enhanced here. You're seeing tremendous healing miracles, like what we heard tonight with the little boy and the lady, the, the cancer and all. Hallelujah. I mean, I love the pictures that Pastor Todd shows me of all the, all the cancer spots, and then the next one, there's none on there. It blows my little brain, and I like when my brain gets blown. And I've been at this my whole life, and it still amazes me. It still wows me that you could be dying with stage four cancer and get in the water and come up and you're totally healed. I mean, wow. Now, but the Lord began to talk about two other kinds of miraculous levels that have to come into the church. Creative miracles and mental health miracles. So let me talk just a couple of minutes on those two things and then I'm gonna Go do whatever I need to do next. Creative miracles is when something's not there, God puts it there, or removes what's no longer functioning in a body and puts a brand new part in it. Now, most of us know that if we are sick, we can get healed. Most of us know that God can heal us, but somewhere we've not embraced the creative side of God's miraculous power. He created us, why can't he give us new parts? He can come and touch like the little boy's eye. The little boy didn't get new eyes. He didn't need new eyes. He just needed some eye adjustment supernaturally. And he got healed. He's gonna do great in school, just give him some time. He'll accelerate to the top. But there are some people who don't have an eye or what they have in their eye socket is not alive. It's, it's gone, it's dead. There are parts of the human body that people have that have been worn out or didn't get birthed the right way, whatever it is. God can heal that. He can heal that in the water as well as he can everything else too. But we're gonna need to start believing and going after the creative side of the miraculous power of God. That if there's no fingers, they either just pop on or they grow over in the next six weeks. Can I give you a wild story from great preacher, you may not know his name, George Jeffries. He's a great British apostle. In the time of Wigglesworth, that we all know Brother Wigglesworth, uh, Jeffries actually had greater crowds than Wigglesworth in England. He was a British preacher. And he had also what we call greater notable miracles. The greatest miracle that God did through his ministry was a night that a guy came to his meeting and one foot either hadn't been born or it had been amputated. He had, had, had no foot. And so everybody in town knew him. They knew him that he walked on the crutches or had the special shoe or whatever, and they all knew him. And Jeffries prayed for him and says, in the morning, you'll have two feet. Go buy some shoes. So the guy goes buying the shoes, and it's all over town. <laughs> the guy reported he had a hard time going to sleep that night. He kept waiting for his foot to show up. Somewhere in the night, he fell asleep, he said, and he woke up in the morning with 10 toes, two feet. Somewhere in the night, either God just stuck it on there or grew one real, whatever. That is a creative miracle. And Jesus wants to do creative miracles here. 
and in the churches that some of you represent. But we have to go out after them. A part of creative miracles is people with Down syndrome, the chromosome issues. Now, when we pray for people with those kind of issues, most of us just, <laughs> amen. And we, we, we really don't believe. We pray, we love them, we accept them with all of the challenges they have. And you can always see the family with a child like that had always has extra stress on them. And I, I'm, I'm guilty of what I'm talking about. I'd pray for someone at times. Sometimes they'd put them in the prayer line. And I thought, ah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Ah. I do a prayer with no faith. It sounded like faith, but I had none in it. I've been preaching for a long time, so I know how to project stuff I don't have. My grandma called that a sin. When you can learn to preach without the anointing, it's a sin. I think she still had a good rule on that. And the Lord began to deal with me just a few months ago in a very strong, and I would have to say, a disciplinary tone. He said, go and pray for them whose chromosomes need to be fixed and enhanced and worked on. He said, I can heal an eye and I can heal a chromosome. And I can make that which man cannot fix, I can fix because I made the original. We're going to have to start going pastors and body of Christ after some of these kind of things because it's that kind of miracle that is gonna get the attention of our nation. They're no longer attracted per se to the back healing, to some of these other healings that we are excited about. Believe me, they're great miracles and healings, but the public, the public in America, they don't, they don't even get moved by it no more. They've almost got used to it. That's what the church says. So let that person that had a Down syndrome come back without it. Let the person that had a missing part come back and say, I got a new part and here's the proof. Creative side of miracles are needed. I'd ask you, when's the last time you heard someone talk like that? You don't hear that. But we need to start talking it preaching it and going after it in our altars and in the pool of baptism. That God can fix it and heal it. Why it's not, because we're not going after it, we're not pursuing it, we're not believing, we're not reaching for those things. Lastly, mental illness. In Matthew chapter four is the Lord's earthly job description, verse 23, 24. In that list where he healed, he delivered, he preached, he taught, it says he healed the lunatic. Now, we don't use that word today because we find it offensive, but it is in the Bible. The lunatic means someone whose mind is not right. When I was in Africa last year in Nigeria, they used the word mad. There were two mad people in our service of that 100,000 church that got their minds back during those meetings. They were crazy before and were sane the next day, talking, walking, and being normal. Mental illness we're going to have to get used to like we are body illness and healing. None of us get disturbed by cancer, breast cancer, colon cancer. We, 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 we know what it all is. It's, it's a part of how we understand life. But when we get to mental illness and behavioral issues that our society is exploding with at levels that even the psychiatrist cannot keep up with what's going on because it is on an uptick 
because of the demonic and because of how society has lived. And we're having mental issues and it's more than just depression. And I'm not trying to put anybody down, but some of these things are chemically based. But I'll guarantee you that a spirit is working and if you don't remove the spirit, no matter how much counsel and how much medication, you're not gonna get fixed. And it's time that the church begins to do the work to get people healed in their minds and in their behaviors. We have a nation that can't figure out who's a man and who's a woman. And that is the easiest thing to understand. You are born one or the other. Good. Amen. the psychiatrist, God bless all the therapists, God bless them. But as much as they try to help, they can't solve or totally, they can medicate most. And they don't get a whole turnaround because there's a spiritual dimension there. We gotta put the natural and the supernatural together to help these people. And God wants to bring people to your church, to this revival meeting, with mental and behavioral disorders. When that happens, you cannot be bothered by their reactions and the way they act in church or act around you on your road. You're gonna have to learn how to just be full of faith and joy and pray in a direction they can get help. Lord, get them tonight. Lord, they're here and I'm out in my faith. Whoever brought them here that they get zapped well tonight. But you, you, you can't raise your eyebrows at them. You can't get nervous and walk away from them. They're gonna sit right next to you and your cute wife on the same row. Can you allow God to do that among you? Will you allow God to bring people with those kind of troubles and sorrows into your house and sit there and sometimes do weird things through the whole service and make little small rude noises. Or they just whimper <laughs> and they just cry. For an hour and a half, you look at them hoping it's the Holy Ghost and you realize it's really not the Holy or a ghost. Something else is in there. But I'm asking tonight by the Spirit of the Lord, Will this church and this revival allow God to work that way among you? To work that way among you. Remember, you clapped when I said that. So when it starts happening, 
Don't get offended and leave. Don't get upset and criticize. Stay in your place. Keep your faith high. And let's believe God for the creative and for the healing of the lunatic of our time. Hallelujah. Whoa. Hey. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. You want to come and direct A? And then I'll come back and do my B. I'm not dumb. We're going to stop, stop just for a moment and let Pastor. It's a quick transition. <laughs> There's so much more the Lord's wanting us to tap into, Dr. Laird, and I, I, I believe that with all my heart. I, I felt, I felt the, the Spirit of the Lord bear witness with this mental illness and um, all that, that he released into the atmosphere tonight. But what we're going to do very quickly, uh, I want you to stand to your feet all across the room. This is not a potty break. This is not an opportunity you know, I need you to stay as focused as you possibly can tonight. Uh, we're going to pray for every pastor, every um, lead pastor and their spouses tonight. We're going to pray for them here in a few moments. But I feel that there is a direction that the Lord's going to continue to give you in the next few moments as we are going to pray for folks. And this faith is going to be released in the house. This faith is going to be released in this house. The baby on the inside of me leapt. I'm telling you, I, I, I never saw that. Yes, Lord Jesus, the lunatic in the house, the lunatic, he will not be a bother. She will not be troublesome. Lord, we'll have, we'll have a measure of faith and a measure of grace to accommodate every, every mental illness in the room to, in the days to come. If you're letter A, uh, Brother Vince is going to come and stand right here. And Colin will be in the back right there. If you're letter A, if you have registered to be baptized and you have letter A, I want you to come very quickly to my right, to your left. Come on, let's let these folks know that we love them. Come right now. Letter A. Letter A. Move quickly. Move quickly. Move quickly. Move quickly. To my right, to your left. Right through these gentlemen right here up these steps. How many of you love the Word of God by Dr. Robert Slairdon tonight? I want to say this before I give him back the microphone. Um, that Dr. Laird is a part of our Caneo Ministry Training Center staff. He's on our faculty. You heard me say that. Um, there are over 600 students around the nation, over 11 different campuses. Uh, this, I'm telling you, what you're going to get in Caneo Ministry Training Center is life-changing. It's going to prepare us to rage a wonderful heavenly war on the enemy and Satan in his dark kingdom. We're going to set the captives free. So you're going to need to hear and learn more information about that. But how many of you know that heaven has walked into this room today? Yeah. All right, as they're being taken care of, we'll be baptizing in about 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes at the most. But in the meantime, Dr. Laird, and I just want to turn it back over to you. And if we need to pray for folks, our altar team's ready to pray. Pastors, you can call them up whenever you need them to be here. 
but I, I need this just to go a little bit deeper. You okay with that? Let's go. Thank you, Pastor. Hallelujah. If you are a senior pastor, Pastor Todd talked about, would you go ahead and make your way to the front? Now, learn how to respond correctly. If you're not one, don't come. Now, if we learn how to respond correctly to the call that God gives, and if it's not us, if we stay focused with the others, we participate, God can touch you without being in the front. But part of it is a sign of Christian maturity, that if we're not the one being focused on, we can still be happy for them that are. And we don't feel like we're being left out, nor do we try to, well, I'm one of these when you're not one. Because that affects the flow of the anointing sometimes when you're praying for people. If you get a whole bunch of folks that are not in the, in the particular line because of the anointing that's present, and they start pulling her in a new different ways, it'll lift, it'll grow weak, and we want it to get stronger, not weaker. So learn how to respond to the altar call specifically. You can say, I sure wish I was one of those, but I'm not, but Lord, you bless them. Lord, bless them up there. Pray in the Spirit with them on that. Apostolic ministry is not defensive. It is more offensive. You start the war. You just don't show up when it's already started by somebody else. You go out and say, today we declare war on this, and we go after it. I'll have to come back and teach the rest of it some other time. I lay my hands upon you according to the authority that has been given to me. When I lay my hands on you, that which has been dormant shall live. That which is out of alignment shall come into alignment. And false words spoken over you shall die, and the real one shall stay. So be it unto you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. From the Lamorebesikinamante. Fatosk Mandeske Badekisa. Cut off of him. Oh, you're too stiff. You gotta loosen up. You gotta loosen up, my friend. And you're not second fiddle. You're equal. Let the voice of the Lord come up out of you. Live in Jesus' name. Lose her and let her be free. Let her see, hear, and speak. Oh, the Come out of him in the name of Jesus. Come out and let him be free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Who I haven't prayed for? Some of you still back there? All right. Hallelujah. You don't have to fall to receive. It's okay. Falling's not the issue. Receiving's the issue. Hallelujah. 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 Ah. Sing sang zong zan de zuz baz dai. Flem bang hesuto. Pakas e pefista mahanga. Legegum godongan de mantefra bateve. Mahaha sosus tete. Ah, restoration and new things for you. New days, new life. That which has been stole shall return sevenfold. And you shall run 
and you'll be happy again. And great shall be the fruit of your life. And even them that have worked against you shall rise up and declare that you are good, says the Spirit of the Lord. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Anybody else? Hallelujah. All right. We'll wait just a minute for they can come. Hallelujah. I'm glad you got ushers in this church. Most churches forgot ushers. How are you? Where are you from? Lord bless Columbia. I guess this is your wife. Now, you have to learn how to have more spiritual liquor in you and be able to work with it as the head guy. When the anointing grows heavy, the strength of your inner person can stand and function if you'll do that. So receive and enjoy, but no new labor for your inner man must be done. Quit being a woman and be the gift that God called you to be. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Have I prayed for you yet? Not yet. Where are you from? Duluth, Georgia. I think I preached there years ago. Small little town. Yeah. Gifts come alive in the name of Jesus. We command the gift inside of them to live and not die, to function freely in the earth and in the land where they've been planted. We command resistance to die. We shut the mouth of the wicked in their sayings and we stop them in their maneuverings against you and let those things cease and let the workings and the will of the Most High take governing places in their heart and in their house. From Rosalakahaye, see, hear, speak, and obey, says the Spirit of the Lord. And God, they're kind of old, so they need some new life. How old are you? All right, I'm never mind. How old are you? Well, you're old too. Wisdom, yeah, but you need a new body. You have to have strength to do the race in these times. That's what I'm referring to. So Father, we thank you that they've lived long, but they got a lot more time to live. Renew their physical age like the eagles have a renewal. That which is considered old, now let it be called young. Let there come a, a pace of heaven in their step. Restore them, give them new parts that they need, and Father, give them lots of young people to live around. Father, they need more young people around them. We don't want all just old people because some of them want to die. Some of them just want to be left alone. I live in Florida where they all come. They all come to Florida and I love the Lord, but they don't want to do anything. They love Jesus. They'll give you a check, but they don't want to do anything themselves. Well, that's not you. 
you want to do stuff. My grandmother told me, she said, I don't want to go be around people my age. I might die. I want to be around your folks. They all loud scream. The music is too loud, but it keeps me alive. And then she'd come to Bible school every day, late, but she'd get there. Sit right in the middle of the class, have a great time. Live to 94 years of age. So, Father, we thank you as I lay my hands on them one last time for the blessing of the Lord. Huh. And they need cash. They need more money. And, Father, they've given money and time and many things. And you promise, you promise that whatever a person releases for the gospel, it shall have a return in multiplied measure. Let the blessing not just be a spiritual feeling, but let it be money in your hand that you can use for your own life and for the life of the ministry that God has given you. We thank you for miracle supply of money in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, folks. Thank you for coming. Amen. Are you in the line too? What's your name? Are you, you know her? Good. Oh, we're on the same church. Well, you're not that old. How old are you? Well, that's not old. It's one year older than him. You don't look that old. That's nice. Old people have to be talked to to pull them out of oldness. Because they're told all the time, you're old. You're a grandparent. Just take care of the grandkids and bake them cookies. Take care of them when we're going to go to the movies. But that's not what a grandparent's for. Our grandparents will put life and train them in the ways of the Lord. And to help the church the same way. Restore unto her all that has been lost all that has been stolen and give new life to her and for the work you've called her to. Let her be satisfied how you've placed her and not be moved by other people's words. We command those words to die in your ears so you don't affect the humbleness of your heart and the willingness to obey. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, you're not in the prayer line, but you're standing right there. You. Are you? You. Yeah, are you a Filipino? What are you? Oh, I'm way off the countries. Are you called to preach? What are you doing about it? Nothing. Called are you, says the Lord. Doubt no more and linger no longer. For my hand is upon you. My ways, I'm trying to get in you. And I'm trying to realign you to do what I've called you to do. Hear and obey. Hallelujah. How are you? Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody else I've missed? Oh, his wife. Oh, so are you Guatemalan too? How'd you find him? He just came up along and got married. Now, you're not second fiddle. Do you know what I mean by that? You're not just little wife beside the husband. God's making power couples today where both men and women are working together. Their gifts may differ, so you have to prefer one another, but it's not a competition, and it's not that you are the traditional wife. 
It used to be that the pastor's wife or the preacher's wife had to play the piano, had to do certain things. All that's nice, but it's not required, nor is it required of you. Great is the call that you will find as you work together as one. The sound of his voice shall grow louder as both voices work together, says the Lord. It shall be. Huh, yes. Anybody else? Somebody say, what? Okay, good, you just have to direct me. I've seen you before. Were you on stage or something? Okay. You with him? What are you? Are you sure? You're acting awful timid about it. Did you marry her? Still like her? You like him? Are you sure you're not saying yes or no there? You're just laughing. <laughs> Hallelujah. The African-American culture needs prophets and apostles, not just civil rights leaders. The reason that the African-American community has not had all that God wants to give them is because when the revival starts, the civil rights hijack it and it never gets to be the full move of the Spirit. He's asking you to help fix that in places that you are supposed to go. To help turn things around and make things go right. Hallelujah. All right, now you, how old are you? All right, nice to meet you. Are you kind of a quiet lady? Somewhat, you're probably one that's quiet publicly and loud at home. No, all right, I don't know, I'm just talking. But the same thing that's said to him, it also is meant for you. You're not second fiddle or just the wife thing. It's a power couple operating. It means that you may have the same gifting and work together, or you may have different giving, but still work together. You don't have to be exactly like him to be highly anointed, nor does it have to make what you do him comfortable. It can disturb him in the spirit if that's the will of the Lord. Don't be afraid of faces and words. Don't be afraid of places that I'm going to send you, says the Lord. For you will be a voice equal to the sound of the voice that is in your husband. And you sometimes will carry the word while he stands beside you and say, speak on. Don't be afraid of those moments or those days. Let these things be and let there come a new view in the community of faith that you'll be a part of. Great shall be the harvest and your joy shall triple even more, says the Lord. Anybody else here? Where are you guys from? You're local. From where? What, what, African where? Kenya, oh, great country. Your first time? Oh, so you've been there before. Uh, yeah, I understand. I couldn't go either. I've been home for two years. I feel like I've backslid. Where are Good, good. Father, they are missionaries and they're willing to go. The Lord hears no more than he hears yes. So when he hears a yes, it sounds louder 
than what you know in his heart and in his ear. For he is pleased that you're willing. Thus he shall now empower and enhance your work and your life. Increase, increase, and increase. Increase, increase, and increase. Shall be the fruit, shall be the money, shall be the doors, and shall be your strength, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen and amen. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Says, okay, Pastor. Okay. Who, who over here I haven't prayed for? Are we together? Are you sure? Why is she staying behind you? You gotta be equal. You gotta get power couple thing down. You're not second place. You're both first together. In the work of the Lord, his gift and your gift may differ, but it does not mean one is better than the other. It is working together that shall become the trumpet of your ministry. It shall be the sounding trumpet of the work of the Lord upon you. We speak to the gifts inside of them and say, come alive and come into the earth. Come into the earth in the name of Jesus. This head, be quiet and submit yourself to the spirit within. You are not in charge of this life. The spirit within is. We put you back in right order. Spirit, soul, and body. In the name of Jesus, so be it. Hallelujah. Amen. You're here? Are you a pastor? What are you? Okay, well, I'm not praying for that now, so stand right there. Not, 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 I don't want to be rude, but I have to stay with where the anointing is, okay? We'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. Ministers, are we together? What is it with this church? The women are always standing a foot behind. Got to get up here and be equal. And be equal. Be equal. Mande fesiki bakasukota bate. Mande lebeske. And no, it shall be just as he said. And no worries for you either. Anyone else? Okay, go ahead. 